Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL Avalon at 88.7 on your FM dial and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, which, thanks to the internet, you can hear any old time, we'll celebrate Clarence Penny's birthday, we'll have some comebacks, we'll find out what's sitting on top of the mantle, and we'll do all of this with the utmost sincerity. Back in May, I played Toots, performed on the mandolin by Dr. Clarence Penny. I credited him as Dr. John Clarence Penny, gave his date of birth as October 25, 1893, and said I hoped to find enough information and recordings to put together a birthday segment for him. Well, Dr. Penny is getting his own birthday segment today, but a bit belated. I started researching, and it got so confusing I was ready to completely give up on giving any biographical information at all and just play the records when I unearthed a single paragraph in the August 24, 1905 edition of the Monmouth Inquirer newspaper published in Freehold, New Jersey. It turns out the good doctor was not John Clarence Penny, but Clarence John Penny. And he wasn't born in 1893, but on October 9, 1877, in New York City, to William Penny, a bookkeeper and expert cellist, and his wife Antoinette Hexter, a well-known church singer. Clarence took up the violin when he was nine years old and was playing in public concerts at 15. In the late 1880s, a mandolin craze began in the U.S., and one day Clarence's father brought home one of the instruments. Without any formal training, Clarence was quickly able to master the instrument, and when he entered Columbia College, he also applied for admission to the Mandolin Club and was enthusiastically accepted. Within a year, he was elected president of the club and held the post for the duration of his time at Columbia. Penny wrote music for the club, and he was able to have several of his compositions published by the famous banjoists Ruby Brooks and Harry Denton, who also owned Brooks and Denton Music Publishing Company. In 1894, Columbia's oldest performing arts tradition, the Varsity Show, began as a fundraiser for the school's athletic teams. Penny wrote the entire score for two of the annual shows, The Mischief Maker in 1903 and The Isle of Illusia the following year. Another of Penny's compositions was Ingmar, an intermezzo recorded in 1905 as a bells solo, by Chris Chapman, but it was rejected by Victor. While he was a doctor, Clarence J. Penny was not an M.D. At the time of the 1910 census, Dr. Penny was a dentist with a private practice in Manhattan. On August 19, 1918, he married Elsie C. Barotto, a New York City public school teacher, and 12 years his junior, in a ceremony in Lake George, New York. In 1942, at age 64, he was still working as a dentist in the office of Dr. T. Holland Adam on East 61st Street in New York. It was through Brooks and Denton that he was introduced to the folks at Victor Talking Machine Company, and in 1914 he landed a recording contract. 
In four sessions, Dr. Clarence J. Penny made six sides, only three of which were issued, and he never recorded again. You heard one of those sides last week. Here are the other two.
Toots, played last week, was written by Felix Arndt. And Felix Arndt is the piano accompanist on all three of Dr. Clarence Penny's released recordings. The two others were both written by a B. Hartz, H-A-R-T-Z, but damned if I could find his first name. Not even my ragtime sheet music collecting friends were able to help. But I'll keep trying to track B. Hartz down. We started with Indianola Patrol, which could refer to any of the 13 places in the U.S. called Indianola, but I'm guessing it's either in Illinois or Indiana. That's from Victor 17694, recorded August 31, 1914. Indianola Patrol, which was also recorded by Felix Arndt himself, is not to be confused with the Indianola, written by Domenico Savino, S.R. Henry, and Frank H. Warren. Indianola Patrol was followed by the Azalea Waltz, recorded a couple of weeks earlier on August 13th, issued on Victor 17643. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. One of the records I had selected to play for last week's Aristocratic segment was titled Come Back to the Hills. I ran out of time for it last week, but it's going to start off this segment of songs about coming back, because given the name of the group singing it, I just couldn't let it go by. You'll find out who they are in the back announce. Guide you wherever you 
about a year ago with Ernie Hare singing Yearning, but this time the Tickle Toe Ten were backing Billy Jones on I'll Take Her Back If She Wants to Come Back, composed by James V. Monaco with the words by Edgar Leslie. That's from OK 40325, waxed March 11, 1925. Before that, Bernie Cummins and his Hotel New Yorker Orchestra, with Brother Walter Cummins confidently declaring, You will come back to me. Sylvia Fields wrote the words and Burt Rose the tune, and Victor 22355 was made in New York March 10, 1930. I couldn't find anything else written by Sylvia Fields, but Burt Rose also wrote My Evening Song with Irving Kale and the music to Wendell Wilkie's 1940 presidential campaign song, Victory for Wilkie. We started the set with Come Back to the Hills, the B-side of Vocalion 4718, recorded November 2, 1938. That was performed by Fisher Hendley and his aristocratic pigs. Clawhammer banjo picker Walter Fisher Hendley was born May 4, 1891 in North Carolina, and it's a safe bet he'll have his own segment on the May 8, 2022 show. Have a particular song or artist you'd like to hear on Rapidly Rotating Records? Well, you can send your requests and your comments about the show by email to glenn at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com or send cards or letters to Post Office Box 145, Claremont, California, 91711. That's glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com or Post Office Box 145, Claremont, California, 91711. 
I'm going to introduce this segment with a couple of quotes about sincerity. 19th century American theologian Tryon Edwards said, Sincerity is not test of truth, no evidence of correctness or conduct. You may take poison sincerely, believing it to be the needed medicine, but will it save your life? And in his inaugural address, John Kennedy said, Sincerity is always subject to proof. Here's the very sincere Eddie Thomas.
We begin this sincerity set with Al Goodman and his orchestra, and yours sincerely, composed by Richard Rogers. Lorenz Hart wrote the lyrics sung there by Eddie Thomas. Brunswick recorded that in April of 1929, issued it in the U.S. and Australia, and made an instrumental version in the session, which was destined for the German market. Next was Charlie Fry and his Million Dollar Peer Orchestra with Sincerely I Do, from Victor 21829, September 14, 1928. Joe Burke wrote the tune with Louis James singing the Benny Davis lyric. Are You Sincere was written by Alfred Bryan and Albert Gumbel and was inserted into the original 1902 stage musical The Wizard of Oz and was popularized by vaudevillian Adele Ritchie. We heard soprano Elsie Stevenson's April 30, 1908 Victor recording, catalog number 5467. It was one of her biggest hits, and the song was so ubiquitous that it spawned an answer song, or in this case a parody. Here's the tramp comedian, Nat M. Wills. <laughs> Are you sincere, eh? That's a pretty little title for a song. By the way, that's the song they played in England when young Hayes win the marathon race. They didn't believe it, you know. They wanted to know if he was sincere about it. They make an awful fuss about that fella Hayes. He didn't do much running. You know, he only run for four hours. That's nothing. Look at William Jennings Bryan. Been running for 12 years. Yes, and if the old boy has his health, he'll probably be running four years from now again. He may be running for the end book. That's no 16 to 1 shot. You know, there's only one difference between Bryan and Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill has a show. And, uh, you know, Bryan says he expects to be elected with a great silent vote. Yes, they're going to turn out the deaf and dumb asylum for him. He is the author also of that very beautiful little maxim. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But I'll sing you a parody on that little Are You Sincere and see how you like it. You listen to that right. A bank being robbed by two burglars told. Papa was told. His feet got told that he I'll not go near them, near them, I fear them. His captain next day said the cop passed them by. He said, oh my, that is a lie. When I heard the burglars were there, why I fled my telephone up to the bank and I said, are you in here? Are you in here? Don't crack that paper, get money. They said, hello, we ain't here, no. We left long ago with the money. I said, I've got my money. I won't call till you go away. If I get robbed, I'll lose my job. And to me, are you in here? After Elsie Stevenson made her recording of Are You Sincere, it took Nat M. Wills less than six months to record his parrot 
credited on the label of Victor 5613, made October 14, 1908, as Are You Sincere, but which he sings as Are You's In Here. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7 KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available on demand anytime at all online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories and the Syncopated Times radio network. Because of a variety of factors, fewer and fewer new homes these days are being built with formal dining rooms, and the same is true of fireplaces. And what is it that frames the opening of a fireplace? A mantle, mantelpiece, or chimney piece, consisting of the jams, mantel shelf, and external accessories of a fireplace. I'm happy to say that every house I've ever lived in has had both a formal dining room and fireplace, and we regularly use them both. There aren't any vintage songs about dining rooms that come to mind, but here are three having to do with mantles. Thank you. 
knickknacks on the mantel, old-fashioned souvenirs tell a tender story of the passing years. A tintype from Niagara displays a blushing bride with me, the bashful bridegroom, standing by your side. Pressed flowers and a seashell, mementos from the fair, a pair of tiny booties, the baby used to wear. Knickknacks on the mantel, recall so tenderly the knack you had of making life so heavenly for me. Knickknacks on the mantel recall so tenderly the knack you had of making life so heavenly for me. From Edison Standard Cylinder Record, number 10447, released in 1910, 
Countertenor Will Oakland with There's a Clock Upon the Mantle Striking 1-2-3. The Edison Amberola Monthly said of it, The theme of this selection is pathetic in the extreme. An aged mother sitting in lonely vigil for her wandering boy's return, while the clock upon the mantle is tolling off the long hours of the night, and the melodic setting is appropriately plaintive. The greatest of all countertenors sings the number with profoundly sympathetic expression. Will Oakland was born Herman Henricks in Jersey City, New Jersey on January 15, 1880, and began his musical career with Lou Dockstetter's Minstrels in 1905. He began recording for Edison in 1908 as a solo artist and in duets with Billy Murray. From 1912 to 1914, he recorded with the Heidelberg Quintet, and Will Oakland died May 15, 1956. There's a Clock Upon the Mantle was written by James S. Riley, who also brought us That Raggedy Rag, which you might just be hearing in a couple of weeks. Before Will Oakland, Ted Fiorito and his orchestra with Stanley Hickman singing Raymond B. Egan's lyrics to Ted Fiorito's tune... Knickknacks on the Mantle, from DECA 771, made April 4, 1936. Ted Fiorito must have really liked mantles because he also wrote the tune that started the set, Little Old Clock on the Mantle. That was Paul Whiteman and his orchestra from Victor 19420, August 13, 1924. Doing our part to keep alive the music of the 1920s and 30s, this is Rapidly Rotating Records, Sunday evenings at 6 on KISL-FM 88.7 Avalon, and available anytime on demand online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. Earlier this year, my friend, accordionist extraordinaire Matt Tolentino, like many of my musician friends who were unable to perform live because of the pandemic, was putting on online concerts via Facebook and YouTube. On his February 18th broadcast, Live from the Parlor, he played Any Old Time, written by Al Hoffman. Here it is, performed by Adrian Schubert, along with a couple of other Any Old Times. Time is love and time for me. 
night or day, March or May, any old time, any old time is love and time for me. They say that old King Solomon was the sheik of his town. Now all that I need is some brains and a crown. Because I've got no wife, what a life, any old time, any old time is love and time for me. Thank you. 
Like the day you left me alone Any old time You wanna come back home there are three vastly different any old times. We started with Adrian Schubert and his Salon Orchestra, credited on Cameo 9298, as well as Lincoln and Romeo, as the Detroiters with Any Old Time, written by Al Hoffman. The Harrison LP reissue says it was recorded January 21, 1930, with the vocal by Scrappy Lambert and Grandpa Bob Efros on trumpet, but the American dance band discography said it was recorded September 17, 1929, with a different take in that session, issued on Banner, as by Dubin's Dandies. 
Next, Jimmy Rogers, the singing brakeman with his Any Old Time, made February 21st, 1929, but not released on Victor 22488 until more than a year later in September of 1930. And we finished up with Artie Shaw and his orchestra with his Any Old Time, sung by Billie Holiday, on July 24th, 1938, issued on Bluebird B-7759, and also the Montgomery Ward label. Shaw also recorded Any Old Time in March of 1939 with the same arrangement, but with Helen Forrest doing the singing. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. If you had half as much fun as I did, then I had twice as much fun as you. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always... I thank you for your very kind attention. ¶¶